Um, this morning I'm going to speak on the mindfulness of God, being mindful of God. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm a forgetful person. Anybody else forgetful? Yeah, anybody else forgetful? You know, Jesus did remind us, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Have you heard that before? He, he told us because he knew we'd forget what he'd actually done to the disciples. And we easily forget things, right? I can forget things. Anybody do this? You go upstairs to get something. You, you know what I'm saying. You go upstairs to forget. It's like 12 steps in my house. 12 steps. It's like a 12-step program. One, two, three, four. I get to the top and I forgot what I went up for. And then I go back down, and I'm like, what did I, I've forgotten. What was it? And then all of a sudden, something triggers it. And I go back up, and then I forget again. Right? Is this just me? We're forgetful people, right? We're, we're, not, we're not perfect people. Jesus was a perfect person, but we're not, we're not perfect. So we need to remind ourselves of things. And I want to remind us this morning of God, because we forget about him on a daily basis. I know I do. And it's really important that we are mindful of God tomorrow Tuesday, Wednesday, next week, because we can forget about him because of the situation we find ourselves in. So that's what I'm speaking on today, the mindfulness of God. You know, Sarah said we're going on this sabbatical, and I've got to be honest with you, it brings mixed emotions. You know, when you've been doing this for 10 years, I mean, we've been in church for 20 years, when you've been with a group of people for, you know, some of you have known for 20 years, some of you have known for 10 years, some of you know five years or less. But when you get connected to people, you can easily, if you're not careful, find your identity in that group of people. Yeah? So when you detach from that group of people, how do you feel? Some insecurities there. Does anybody get insecure? Anybody got any insecurities? Anybody feel like really secure one week and then the next week something happens and you feel really insecure? Is it just me? There's a few. There's a front row. What about the back row? Do you feel, now I'm talking about the back row, do you now feel insecure? <laughs> eh? Does anybody else feel insecure? You know, I've been thinking about it. Why do we feel insecure? A few weeks back, I spoke about Gideon. I'm going to mention him this morning because he had insecurity issues. And God had to deal with his insecurity in order to make him secure so that he could become a mighty warrior. And I think we all have insecurity issues. What makes you insecure? Here are a few things that make us insecure, our identity, who we are. Who are you this morning? Do you, ever, do you ever have that question? I don't know who I am anymore. Anybody else do that? Some weeks I feel like I really know who I am, then other weeks things happen, I'm like, who am I? And you can feel lost. You know, there's the phrase, isn't there, you are what you eat, right? And for some of us, you can tell, I can tell some weeks I am what I eat, because I eat too much. So I'm getting too big. And then my identity becomes in my body. I am my body. I am thin. I am fat. Anybody do this? You wrap your identity in who you are in your physical body. Or you wrap your identity in your, your job. I'm a... Hey, in church world, you find this, right? Especially in some countries when I go abroad, they're using this name all the time in front of the name. It's like Prophet Paul or Prophet or Pastor Paul or, you know, Apostle Paul. And, and it's like this name gives me a greater identity. And then you take that name away and it's like, who am I? I'm a teacher, but I'm no longer a teacher now. Who am I? Does anybody else feel like this? What makes you insecurity? Sometimes, insecure, sometimes our identity, we're trying to work out who we are. Sometimes we base our identity on our performance, our achievements. If I achieve this level, then my identity is secure because I've achieved 
the A-level, the GCSE, the SAT, whatever. I've created a performance level identity. If I perform at that level now, I know who I am. Or we get insecure because of our relationships. Belonging. Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? I remember high school being an absolute nightmare. Does anybody... Go back to high school. Sorry if it's traumatic. Just take you back. I remember groups at school. You were in or you were out. You, they looked at you a certain way. You weren't allowed in. Or you had to dress a certain way. Anybody remember those groups? And even do it now. You've got to have a label or a, you know, a tick on your hat. Or if it's not a tick, it's got to be three stripes. And I'm in if I've got the three stripes. I'm in, and this gives me, this puts me into the group. Or these people, they don't want me. They reject me. They, they, don't, they don't allow me into their group and now I feel insecure because I'm not a part of the group or the in-group. And we can do that in church. We can come in and go, that's the in-group and I'm not in. Now I feel insecure. Nobody talks to me. Anybody else do this? We feel insecure because we want to be in the group or we want to belong in the relational dynamic because we feel we're struggling with a detachment from that. We start to get anxious. Young kids, when they are not loved as a young child they feel anxious and they can get separation anxiety I think adults still suffer with separation anxiety I'm going to be honest emotionally because we're trying to look for where we belong where do I belong and I get my security in the belonging rather than something else is this making sense so I feel insecure in my relationships I feel rejected or or rejected or accepted and I'm in and I'm not in relationships can make us really insecure well, the other one is our circumstances or our environment. I remember, see if you can remember right back to this. In primary school, moving classes, it freaked me out, the new teacher. I always remember, sorry, Mrs. Lofthouse. Mrs. Lofthouse, she was evil. She was the most evil teacher in the world. You know, if, if you've ever watched, um, oh, what's it called? Matilda, you got it. You knew it. You went right there. You went right there. That's where I, Matilda, right? She was an evil mistress, right? This loft house was worse. The stories that went around the school was that she put you in a locker and you'd stay there for 24 hours and they'd let you out. This was the idea, what kids said. I was terrified of Mrs. Lofthouse. I remember being in reception going to year one to Mrs. Lofthouse. She wasn't actually that bad. She was actually just a strict teacher and the kids wanted DOS around and they couldn't. She actually did a good job. And I finished that year and I was like, I've survived, Mrs. Lofthouse. You're going into year two. Oh, yeah. They've changed the teachers around. Who are you having? Mrs. Lofthouse. <laughs> mom, mom, I hate it. I don't want a mom. I'm crying. And the tears did nothing. Mom, you don't know what you mean. You don't know what you're doing to me. It's Mrs. Lofthouse, mom. My circumstances were dictating how I felt. I felt insecure. Does this make sense? You know, some of you, your job, you, you, you find your security in your job and your money and you're thinking, oh, I'm losing my job and I don't like my job. I don't like these people. It's work and it's all happening like this. I feel insecure and where do I fit? Are you still with me this morning? You're going to leave. I'm going to dump this on you and then go next week, by the way. But hopefully you'll grow. Hopefully some children will grow and some adults will love the children in the church while I'm away. Amen? That's what we're here for. Maybe some of you feel insecure that I'm going. Me and Sarah are going for two weeks or three weeks or however long. Maybe that's making you feel insecure. Circumstances, environment, your job, your house, your church, whatever. Or maybe you get insecure because this one. What's happening in the future? 
What's happening in the future? I don't know. Look at the world, the state it's in. COVID, how much insecurity did that bring out of us? What's going to happen to my health? I'm not well now, so how am I going to be when I'm older? I'm worrying about the future. Now, while I'm going to be in the future, and I'm bringing all of that worry into my today, and I'm feeling insecure. Who's watching the news at the moment? You'll find plenty of stuff make you insecure on there, by the way. You can write a list of stuff off the news. I'm not saying you shouldn't listen to the news, but you need to be watching that it's not affecting your security. Because that's not where your security is. Okay? Does this make, are you with me? So I'm identifying some things where I find insecurity, where I get my insecurity. Change of circumstances, change of job, life. By the way, the one thing that is constant in your life, what is it? Change. So you've got to get used to it. So change is a normal process of how you deal with your emotions. You've got to get used to change because it's going to be happening all your life. You've got to learn to adapt to it. You've got to get the skills of change and learn to process change in your life. If you struggle with the detachment anxiety stuff, there are two things that you'll do. Number one, you'll be really clingy to things, over the top. You know, you know sometimes people that are really clingy, they're desperate for the affirmation, you'll be like that. Or the other one will be, you'll run away when it gets hard. She'll either be clingy or you'll run away and want to hide. Oh, they upset me. Where are you going to go? I'm not going to come to church next week. Why? That's detachment issue. There's a detachment issue. There's an anxiety issue. Oh, I don't feel loved by them people. There's a detachment issue. You're getting your, you're getting your security from them people. It's not where God wants you to get your security from. Okay? Am I making sense? Trying to take you deeper here into Christ this morning. That's where we find our security. And God will use things in your life to detach you from them things so that you can find him and him alone. That's why something's, oh, it's changing. Why is it changing? Where is God? He's supposed to be God. He's supposed to be king. Well, where are you attached? Are you attached to him or are you attached to that? Right? That's why tithing's a really good one because it gets you detached from the world and what you, your money. God says, put me first. Okay, I can tr- I'm trusting God now. I have peace with God and trusting him, not this world. You're not my friend this morning. You're not going to have me back after eight weeks, are you? So these are some of the things where we find insecure. This is where I get insecure. Now, there's something at the center that we want. Amen? We'll get to that in a minute. So let's look at Gideon, chapter 6, verse 12. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, Gideon was not a mighty warrior in his own mind. He was insecure. He was not bigger than the enemy. The enemy was bigger than him. Because you read in Judges chapter 6, verse 13, the next one, he says this. Pardon me, Lord. By the way, not past win there. Pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied. But the Lord is with it. But if the Lord is with us, are you ready? Insecurity, what does he find it in? What does he find security in? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Circumstances. Circumstances aren't matching up that God is with me. Anybody ever feel like that? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? That's not what I want. This was not my expectation of this God. Then he says, where all of his wonders that our ancestors told us about, when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord, here we go, separation anxiety, has abandoned us. The Lord has abandoned us. He's not feeling the connection of God in his situation or in his own heart. He doesn't see himself as a mighty warrior. He sees himself as the least. He sees himself as inadequate. He doesn't see him as God sees him. 
And he's based his security in the situation. He's based his security in how he's feeling. He's not based it on the word of God. And God's got to get through to him like he's got to get through to us. To get us secure in our relationship, number one with him, because that's the detachment issue that we all have spiritually. We need to be attached to him and one with him and find it in him and him alone. Wow. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul, when he's trying to teach the churches, he's planted churches, he's got disciples, he's trying to raise them up. He knows that some of these disciples have detachment issues and he knows that they have insecurities. So he writes to them to encourage them. Just like I'm hopefully preaching to you this morning or if you read the scriptures, the scripture will encourage you. We can all encourage one another. But Paul writes to them because they have these detachment issues. Jesus knew they'd have detachment issues. What does he say to them before he leaves them? I will never Leave you or forsake you. Because he knows in their natural mind they're going to wonder where God is and they've got to deal with this detachment issue. So Paul writes this in Romans 1, verse 6. I think it's verse 7, actually. I've written, yeah, it's verse 7. I've written it down wrong. It says this. Sorry, it is verse 7. Sorry, yeah, Romans 1, 7. To all in Rome, to all in Rome, who are loved by God and are called to be his holy people. Now, Paul's writing to a group of people in Rome. Rome was a powerful nation, was it not? Some of you people have been influenced by this nation, Rome. Some of you are sitting here today, and you're still influenced by Roman culture and society through your education system. Some of you today are still influenced in the language that you use, the words that you use, because they've come through the Greeks and the Romans, you still use them today. They're still influential. They conquered most nations that they came into, apart from the Scots. Any Scots in here? Ooh, what, what was that? Ooh, in between, a bit half and half. Okay, okay, okay. I'm not very, this is not an identity issue, by the way. You're not defined by if you're Scottish or not, okay? But she's having a bit of Scottish. You have your Scottish bit, okay? But the point, the point is, he writes to people in Rome. Rome was a powerful nation. It was also a corrupt nation and a brutal nation. They dealt with people in good ways, but also not so good ways. They were a powerful culture that influenced everywhere they went. But Paul writes here because he knows that these Christians living in Rome need to understand something. Like all of us, wherever we're living. And by the way, he writes this letter not just to a few people in Rome. Who's he writing it to? All in Rome. So that means Paul's letter is saying, anyone who will believe, this letter is for you. Anybody. It doesn't matter if your past, your situation, your circumstances, whatever you've been through, there's a letter to you and it's for everyone and you can be included in it this morning. And the letter says this, you are loved by God. You see, Roman power could have been influencing these people. They maybe were a little bit intimidated by Caesar who was Lord. What Caesar said happened. Wherever Caesar went, Caesar conquered. He came, he saw, he... That's what he did. 
So you've got these little people who see themselves a little bit like Gideon in his wine press, feeling a little bit insecure in Rome, thinking, how are we going to deal with this powerful, all-powerful nation who has a Lord more powerful than anything we have? And Paul writes to him, and he's saying this, you're not to be defined by Rome. You're to be defined by me. I'm going to ask you this morning, what's defining you? Is it Rome that's defining you or is it Jesus that defines you? Because they were being defined by Rome if they weren't careful by the world. And Paul writes to him to say, I don't want you to be defined by Rome. You're in Rome, but not defined by Rome. You're in your situation, but you're not defined by it. You're in your, you know, your pain and your suffering, but you're not defined by it. You're defined by the word of God that says you're loved by God this morning. Are you hearing it? And this is the message we've all got to understand first and foremost. This is where we find our security is in this message that says, I am loved by God. Yeah, but that group doesn't want me belong. Am I defined by that group? Is that my room? Am I defined by them people? No, I'm defined by somebody else who's more powerful than Caesar. Or will I bow down to Caesar or the world or will I be defined by the living God? Where is my definition? Where is my identity this morning? Is it in the Rome and the world? Is it in my job, my money, my circumstances, my relationships? Is it in what I eat, what I have, what I don't have? Or is it in the word of God that says I am loved by God? It's your choice. It's your choice to be mindful of this truth tomorrow. I'm going to be mindful of this, that I am loved by God. That Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. Do this in remembrance of me, Paul. Today I am loved by God. Tomorrow I'm loved by God. This is the one thing that we're all after. This is the depth of what God offers. That Paul prays in Ephesians. I pray out of the glorious riches of, of riches in Christ Jesus. That you will know the love of God. That you will know the height, the depth, the width. There's nothing as powerful as the love of God. Amen. So I'm just going to look. Is this okay? The other thing that Paul writes, just the verse before, he says this. Verse 6, he says, And you also are among those Gentiles who are called, you ready, to belong. So where do I belong? I belong in Christ. Is it this group that determines who I am? Is it this relationship? Or is it my position in relationship to Christ? You're called to belong first and foremost to Christ. He is the place where you fit. He is the place where you dwell. As he dwells in you, you dwell in him. And he's the place where you belong this morning. He's my belonging. He owns me. I am with him. I am belonged this morning. I'm looking for this and I'm looking for that. I'm looking for someone to love me. I'm looking for someone to accept me. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for this. No, 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 no. Look for Jesus. It's faith in Jesus that you're after. And when you find Jesus, you'll find out those riches. You don't need them other things. Them other things are secondary. God will give them you. He'll give you what you're looking for. He'll give you those things. But that's not the thing that you should be worshipping. It's him that you worship. I preached this a few weeks back. It's him that you worship. And the devil's really good at getting into your flesh and tempting you to look for those things. And accusing you of being weak and inadequate and no good and no one loves you. No, one. No, no, no. You are loved by God. You are loved by God. Jesus died for you on the cross. That is the love of God. Anybody loved by God this morning? Anybody belonging this morning? 
So tomorrow when you say, I'm, I don't know where to fit, I don't know, no, no, you need to get into the word of God. And you need to be mindful of his word that says, I'm loved by God and I belong, by, belong to God. Because I'll tell you what will happen. The unattractive clinginess will start to go out of your life and you'll become more attractive to people. The running away will start to reduce because you realize I'm committed to Jesus, not these awkward people who do me head in. Right? I do it for Jesus. I love people because Jesus loved me. This is why I do it. So the detachment issue starts to be eradicated as I understand who I am in Christ this morning. Is this okay? Is this a bit much? You look a bit serious this morning. However, this love isn't always easy to find. Because sometimes we get attached to other things. Like I said, sometimes God detaches things out of our lives to see what we're going to be attached to. So I'm going to look at this love. Is that okay? What is love like? We say love. We've got to love people. And I know there's descriptions in Galatians. Paul explains what love looks like, the fruit of the Spirit. But I just want to give a definition of love that some of you, you'll probably know this, but you won't always associate with love. Because it's probably not the top. If I said, give me a word that describes love, you might not use this word at the top of your list. But I want to tell you this because I believe if you can understand this word, I think it will help you when you're feeling insecure. Paul writes this, Romans 1.16. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. That brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to Jew, then to Gentile. So Paul describes the gospel, the good news. He says, I'm not ashamed of it because it is the power of God. And I want to just touch on this this morning. Because the nature of God is the power of God. The love of God is powerful. Would you agree? And if we can understand this, then we can understand, actually, we can overcome anything. Because if God is with us, and God is powerful, wow, what more do you need? Anybody want some power this morning? You know, you go some places, they preach, power, 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 power. Have you ever seen them? Power, 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 power. It's not one of them, right, this morning. I want to do that, but that's not what I'm doing. Ready? It's one of these. The power of God is available to you. The power of God. The power of God. So what is it like? Our first point is this. God's love is full of power. Power. You see, God is an all-powerful God. Would you agree? We like preaching that. He's an all-powerful God, but he's also an all-loving God. So he's all loving, that's who he is, God is love. All he wants to do is love you and love you and love you and love you. That's, that's God's heart and motive towards us. Would you agree on that? But he's also all powerful. So his love is loving, he's loving, 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 but it's also all powerful, all powerful, all powerful. Have you got this yet? So the love of God is powerful. And if we don't understand this, like Gideon, we'll stay in a wine press because we'll never go outside of it because we won't yet grasp what the love of God is really like. I, I, I can't love people or people won't love me. I, won't, I haven't yet grasped this love that I'm not ashamed of. I'm going to stay away. I'm going to hide. I'm not going to build relationships. God wants to break that over your life and fill you with the love of God that is all-powerful. 
So the love of God is all powerful, it's all loving. So therefore, God's power, if anybody like, when you read the Bible sometimes, you see how powerful God is, and you think, oh, I'm a bit scared of that. Anybody do that? There's examples in Scripture, you think, oh, God, that was a bit powerful. Makes me step back a bit. But I want to say this, God's power is always loving. Therefore, his love is always powerful. So if you're going to enter or encounter God's love, it's going to be powerful. It's going to give you a power that only, not only will you love yourself and overcome your own enemies, it'll give you a power to love your enemies. That's how powerful it is. You say, oh, I don't know. Look at Jesus on the cross. Look at the love of God on the cross. How much power was in Jesus to overcome the separation issue between you and God. He was willing to do everything to the point of death because he understood the power of love. And that when he overcame that, that power was going to be made available to you and me. You know, this detachment thing. You know, I had, I had good parents. I thought they were good parents. I would say they were good parents. They were bad parents. You know, some children, they have bad parents. You know, you hear people, you know, my mom and dad was like this. They did this to me. And, you know, some horrendous things. Sometimes parents can really mistreat children. I would say my parents weren't too bad. But I want to say this to you. There is no perfect parent. There isn't. You may have had good parents, but they weren't perfect. You may have had bad parents, and you can definitely see they weren't perfect. But there is no perfect parent. Sorry, there isn't. Sorry if I've just burst your bubble and you think your mom and dad are wonderful. And yeah, they are, but they're not perfect. Because there's only one perfect parent. And the, the, the heart issue, the spirit issue, can only be dealt with by a good father. And that needs to be made right first so that we understand our attachment issue is dealt with and we understand who we are. Oh, we are loved by God. He is a good father and he loves me unconditionally. Now I am secure as an adopted child of God. I am not separated. I am not abandoned. I am loved by an all-powerful God. Does that make sense? And sometimes we take on things from our parents, and actually they're not always helpful spiritually. And we stay attached to our parents rather than becoming attached by God and becoming fully empowered to love people. I've got three minutes left. I'm struggling. So God's love is full of power. Do you believe that this morning? Second one, God's, God's love is the answer to our weakness. The cross is the ultimate example. Therefore, if, if you believe in God and you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit affirms that in you, that means the love of God or the power of God is now in you. Would you agree? So when you feel weak, and we feel weak sometimes, anybody feel weak, insecure, yeah? Right? We feel weak. I'm not talking about how you feel. This is not about how you feel this morning. This is about your identity and relationship to God. Not based on my feelings. It's based on my relationship to him by faith in God and what his word says. So when I feel insecure, I feel weak. The Bible tells me that God's power is perfected. Therefore, if I feel weak, here's the truth. You're never powerless. You may feel weak, but you're not powerless. 
And the reason you're not powerless is because the love of God, if you put your faith in Jesus, is in you. And that love is all-powerful. Therefore, even though you feel weak, I'm not powerless. Now, the enemy might tell you that you are powerless because you feel weak. And he may say you're inadequate, you're no good, no one loves you. See, nobody cares about you. Why bother? But that's not the truth of God. And God comes to you and says, yeah, you might feel weak, but you're not powerless. You're not powerless, Paul, because I'm with you. Yeah, you might be in Rome, but you're not defined by Rome, Paul, because I'm in you. You might be intimidated by what's happening in the future, but I want you to know that doesn't determine your future. I determine your future. Oh, right, okay. You're defined by me, Paul, not by what you think or how you feel. Oh, Jesus is just ringing me in a minute. Okay, Jesus, I'm busy. Okay, so remember also, don't pursue the power, pursue the presence. Okay, you can pursue power. It's like a kid going to their mom all the time and saying, Mom, can I have some money? Mom, can I have some money? How does the parent feel? Yeah, you love your kids, you'll give them money. But you want to spend time with your children. It's relational, not just pursuing what he gives you. Amen? So just be careful when you're pursuing power that you pursue his presence because he loves you, you love him. And the third one is this. So God's love is the answer to our weakness. Third one is this. God's love precedes the problem. God's love precedes your problem. So if you brought your problem right now and put it on the stage... And said, God, this is my problem. Do you think the love of God and the power of God is more powerful than your problem? Whatever it is. Let's take your worst sin, right? Your worst thing you've ever done this week. Right? You put it on the stage. Is the love of God more powerful than your sin? Do you believe that? You see what I'm saying? Oh, I I messed up. Yeah, but is the love of God more powerful than your mess up? Yeah, the, the, the problem you have is preceded with the answer. So whatever you're facing in life, maybe it's your future. I'm insecure about the future. Well, guess what? The problem, to, the solution for that is found in Christ. So you have the answer to your problem before you've even got the problem. Do you agree with that? So this means you are empowered to live in Rome, home, school, Whatever challenge you face, with the solution. And the solution is the love of God. It is the forgiveness. Any relationship issue, the forgiveness of God is available for you and for those who hurt you. It empowers you to live like Jesus lived in this world. So whatever problem you have, you already have the solution to it. Are you with me? Now, I know you might have a situation you think, I just want this to be solved. It might be a pain or it might be a a sickness. I recently read a story. His name is uh, Johnny Gumbel. Some of you may know the name um, Nicky Gumbel. He's he's Nicky's son. His name is Johnny Gumbel. And he told this story about when he was ill. And this illness he had, it was like he was tired all the time. He started to feel weak. And he couldn't do anything. He was basically ended up on the sofa for about three months. He was a minister. And uh, he couldn't do anything. And he felt depressed. He felt oppressed, felt depressed. Just lying on the sofa. He just didn't have any energy. It was a physical thing that he could not do anything about. 
and he started to get anxious, feel insecure, he's a waste of time. And then a friend came to see him. He was a, he was a monk, actually. And he came to see him, and he was talking to him, and he said, I'm really glad this is happening to you. <laughs> Don't you love them, people? I'm really glad this is happening to you. Obviously, he's got a close friendship with him. He's not saying this as a random, you know, weirdo who comes up to him and thinks he's giving him something that's helpful, and it's not. It's not one of that. There's a relationship. And then he said this, I'm glad this is happening to you because you're going to find out who you are. And then he realized, about a week later, he realized that his sickness and his illness was defining him. That I am sick. This is who I am. I'm wrapping my physical you know, body, feelings. My identity has been defined by my sickness and illness. And then he realized, what, where do I find my identity? Not in my sickness. Not in my situation. But I defi- defined by the love of God. And he said, I am loved. I am on a bed. I am sick. But he said, I am loved. And he changed his life. And you know, you may be facing things that are really hard. And please hear me pastorally. It's hard and we want to journey with people. But I want to encourage you, don't be defined by it. Your disappointment, your traumas, your experiences in life. We, we've all, people go through things in life. You can't define or choose how those things happen and when they happen. But you can choose what defines you. And is it defining you right now? Your disappointment, your past, your pain, what's gone on in life? Oh, this happened to me. You don't understand. Look, we've all had things. But is that going to define you for the rest of your life? Are you going to be defined by someone who says, hey, I got a fresh start for you. Hey, you can go again. You can receive my forgiveness. You can say sorry. You can be empowered again and live a new life. Do you believe that this morning? See, God's love precedes the problem. Whatever you're going through, I believe you already possess the answer. The wisdom of God, presence of God, the love of God, it's all available to each one of us to define us. My definition, what is it? I'm defined, who am I? I'm loved by God. Tomorrow, who are you? Who are you, church? Who are you tomorrow? Come on, who are you tomorrow? Are you ashamed of the gospel? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Who are you tomorrow? I'm loved by God. So when you fix your eyes on other things, what are you going to say? No, I am. I am loved by God. This is what we're after. Not, and we're not talking about, you know, correcting yourself and doing, you know, renewing your mind so that you can work out who you are. We're talking about a relationship with God through faith in Jesus. And then what happens is when you do that, the Spirit of God comes and affirms that in you, and you understand something on the inside has changed. And you can say, hey, what is this now? I am loved by God. It affirms in you a guarantee that your future is secure. You are secure. The love of God, you cannot lose the love of God. God's love precedes your problem. You know, the most secure person I've ever come across is Jesus you won't find a more secure person than Jesus Christ. I mean, he, his circumstances, his future, he could have had many insecurities, but he was so secure in himself because he understood who the Father was. He understood, and it was demonstrated for us so that we could hear this. When he was baptized, the Spirit of God came upon him and said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I believe we all need to understand that. I believe we can get something of the security that Jesus has, and we can have it ourselves. 
I'm not saying we can be Jesus, but we can have a security and identity in Christ that gives us a peace that is only available through him. And by the way, it's not through knowledge, it's through the knowledge of the Spirit in us. You know, Romans 8, 38 to 39, Paul suffered many horrendous things that he went through. He was, you know, beaten, persecuted, and he writes this in Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded. Anybody need persuading sometimes? I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, I don't know if I feel loved. Paul is persuaded. Another word here is, I am certain of this, right? In other words, he's made himself secure of this. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things, nor nothing nor things to come, future, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us, separation anxiety, able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. What can separate you from the love of God this morning? Nothing. When you say, I'm not loved, God doesn't love me. Lies. God says, I am loved this morning. When tomorrow something happens and the circumstances begin to change, what can separate, separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Do you believe that this morning? So our separation anxiety is dealt through faith in Jesus. He affirms it in us and he wants us to then walk and learn the disciplines of being mindful of the truth of what he says to us. We are loved by God and nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen? That is available in Christ Jesus. I know I'm going over a few minutes. Is this okay? I'm going to leave you as mighty warriors. Any mighty warriors in here? Do you believe you're a mighty warrior? You're a mighty warrior because the spirit is in you and the truth is available for you if you believe it like Gideon was fastened away. You don't need to run away anymore. Don't run away, by the way. How do we deal with running away? Be faithful and committed to what you said you're going to be faithful and committed to. That will break your separation anxiety issues. Be faithful to what you're called to do. Follow Jesus. Be committed to the body. That will deal with your separation issues. And you're looking for love. Be committed, right? But here's, here's how we, you ready? Are you a conqueror? Now, Paul speaking to people in Rome, Caesar was the most powerful conqueror, was he not? No one conquered more than Caesar in Paul's day. But Paul writes and says this. Have we got the scripture? It says, no, all those things that he's just been mentioning, all those things that are attacking them. He says, no, in all these things, you're not just conquerors. You're more powerful than Caesar. You're not just a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror of nations. You're more powerful. You're more than conquerors. Are you getting it? Oh, I can't get over this. I can't defeat this. I can't defeat this anxiety. Yes, you can. Why? Because you're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. And they they could have been dictated to by Roman power. But Paul says, do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? You're loved by God. You, every one of you, are loved by God. That is the greatest truth you can know. You don't need it from the world. You don't need it from Caesar. God has given it to you. The riches of Christ, it paid for it. It paid for your sin. It paid for it all. It's available for you. Will you believe it? Will you grab hold of it? Tomorrow, will you be mindful of it that I am loved by God? I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. 
I'm not going to run away anymore. I'm going to conquer what the enemy's trying to tell me. I'm not going to be intimidated anymore because my God loves me and I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not going to back down. I'm going to face my problems in life. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to feel inadequate. I am adequate now because my Father loves me. Are you with me? Are there any conquerors in here this morning? I'm going to ask the band, come on. Do you believe you're more than a conqueror? Come on, it's conquerors, let's stand. I don't know what your Rome is. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know, but God knows. But everything you need to conquer that problem is found in Christ. Yes, there are practical things you need. You need wisdom. But I believe ultimately what you're dealing with is understanding that you are loved by God. And when we understand that, it is the power to love people, family, enemies, situations. There is no greater power available that God offers you to live life. Amen? We're going to sing a song now. And as we sing this song, I just want you to open your heart and sing to God with all your heart. And it's talking about knowing the love of God. You know, are we going to believe what we say about ourselves Are we going to believe what others say about us, my past, whatever? Or am I going to believe what God says about me? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe that God will speak to you this week. He'll affirm in you how loved you are as a child of God. And whatever you face this week, you won't just be a conqueror. You'll be more than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. Do you believe that? The power of God is inside of you. It is the solution and the power for life. And it's in you. The same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in. Do you believe that this morning? Everything you need is found in God this morning for life. Come on, let's begin to worship. Father, we come to you, the living God. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for your love. We thank you for loving us with an unconditional love. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you came into this world to affirm that love to us. And I pray this morning for everybody in here to be reminded, to be refreshed, to be renewed, or for the first time, receive the love of God through faith in Jesus. And God, I pray this week that you would show them your love more and more, that we would be a loving people. We would love people with your love. We would forgive people with your love. Lord, we would not be defined by the world that we're in, but we'd be defined by the truth of your word that we are children of God, loved unconditionally for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship him. Thank you.